Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that now space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Welcome to the Plex. We do the show live every Sunday. Twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Make sure you're following this on your podcatcher of choice. And I don't know, text it to a friend or something. Always down for new listeners. Uh, leave a review. One star, please, on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Does Spotify have reviews? I think they do. Leave a one star review for all of our shows. We appreciate those the most. Uh, I'm producer Dave. And uh, this is, in fact, what the people want. Oh! 
I don't hate the cops And there's a person inside when the truncheon stops I don't hate the cops Oh, when the raiders come, who will protect the shops? Don't hate the cops. They're a sensitive bunch. If you don't stop throwing your rocks, snap, crackle, pop. It's the sound of a taser. Your body drops. Don't hate the cops. But don't hate the cops. Don't hate the cops. But don't hate the cops. Like your local police. Cause they don't do nothing wrong They your local police Got rid of the corruption And the racism is gone They've been keeping the peace Keeping homeless folks out of the parks and malls Got a cure for your social disease Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops I guess it's not a clip, really. It's a collection of clips that I uh, stitched together. Um, <clears throat> shout out to Aaron Rupar. The Knight Foundation had an event. <clears throat> uh, Kara Swisher was one of the hosts. It was called Inform 22. The Knight Foundation uh, helps fund uh, San Jose Bike Party, actually, too. They're a pretty good organization. <clears throat> Here is Kara Swisher speaking with the former head of trust and safety for Twitter. One of the things you said at one point, you tweeted that Twitter was actually safer under Elon. Do you feel, still feel that way? I don't. We, you know, it's, it's funny. In the, in the days shortly after the acquisition, a bunch of things happened. But one of them, predictably, because it's the internet, was that a trolling campaign emerged. Mm -hmm. um, and a number of trolls, and you could sort of watch the organization happen on 4chan. So this is all happening in public. They were like, let's go to Twitter and test the new limits of Elon Musk. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite enjoying my Chinese porn, but go ahead. Keep going. That's, a, that's another thing. Yeah, but, um, I'm aware. <laughs> but the troll campaign sort of emerged very rapidly, mm -hmm. and it... I think was initially received as being an authentic surge in hateful activity on Twitter, which is a reasonable hypothesis. It, it turns out not to have been borne out by what we were actually seeing on the service, but a core, kind of taking a step back, a core principle for me of doing trust and safety work is you have to be able to measure it. You have to understand what the shape of the problem is. You have to be able to quantify it, which is really hard. And you need to know if you're doing anything that's impactful. And Twitter has struggled deeply with measurement in the trust and safety space for years. But when we started thinking about this trolling campaign and about hateful conduct and the prevalence of, of racial slurs on the service, that's an empirical research question. And we studied it. And we looked at it and we understood what the baseline prevalence of this activity was. I tweeted a graph that showed clearly there was a thing that happened. The thing that happened was a trolling campaign. And we shut down the trolling campaign. And we took steps to build technology that addressed that type of conduct automatically and proactively. 
and measurably, it reduced the prevalence of hateful conduct on Twitter relative to the pre-troll campaign baseline. Sure. Which is great. I, like that unequivocally right. is a win for trust. So why is it not safe now? Trust and safety is an adaptive space. Um, keep pace with and what about when the company itself removes? They're not going to be... Uh... So this isn't the whole interview. <clears throat> I made sure to fade out where the clips to start and end. Um, you can't see that on the podcast, but you go watch the video. You'll see that there was just an edit right there. Doing COVID and misinformation anymore. Yeah. I, it's just easier to do that, right? Like, oh, it's, we're just not going to watch for it. You know, I, one way of, of streamlining the work of trust and safety, I guess, is to have fewer rules. I, I will like chalk up a minor win in that space. They announced that they were going to do it. Like that's something I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting clear announcements about policy changes. We've seen one, which is good. Um, unfortunately, the policy change is really bad and damaging, but um, you know, it, you can certainly streamline things, but that doesn't mean that malicious activity is going to get less complicated. It doesn't mean trolls are going to stop. You can't right. bury your head in the sand. Well, no, I don't think they're bearing. I think their their policy is fuck it. I don't care. Like kind of thing. That's my feeling on that. I don't, I don't know think that's going to be tenable going forward. Right. Well, so in in my piece in the Times, I was talking. This is why about I love Kara. <clears throat> not not only that, she was she she's like the tech mom. This used to, this valley used to be a much smaller place. Like even if you wanted a policy that is fuck it. Mm -hmm. You can't. Like, you simply cannot do that if you are operating what you want to be a commercially viable consumer service. And the answer might be, you don't care and you're going to burn it to the ground. But assuming your goal isn't to burn it to the ground, there are limits. There have to be limits. Unless you're trying to burn it just a little bit in order to get the bankers out. But then that's, that's, that's a theory we talked about. On no the problem is that there was the another edit right rolled out and the way that it was implemented and especially the dynamics of an extremely online trolling heavy platform like Twitter is that it went exactly off the rails in the way that we anticipated and there weren't the safeguards that needed to be in place to address it up front and so then you have that as well right so what did, what did how did you make the decision you go home say to your spouse you know I um, it was not an easy decision uh, and I, I ultimately, uh, I was weighing the pros and cons on an ongoing basis. I knew what my limits were. And by the time that I, I chose to leave, I realized that um, even if I spent all day, every day, trying to avert whatever the next disaster was, there were going to be the ones that got through. And Blue Verification got through over written advice prepared by my team and others at Twitter we knew what was going to happen. It, it's not that, that it was a surprise. It so failed in exactly the way so we it, said it. It got through because Elon just wanted to do it and, and the people around him supported him, which, uh, which they're called by a lot of people the flying monkeys. So a lot of the shit was thrown by the flying monkeys, correct? And then it, and then it happened. And then it it happened. happened because he willed it to happen. And that sort of, um, I think in... in the case of Steve Jobs, people called it the reality distortion field. I think there was an element of that, but you, you can't distort the reality of what happened Steve on Twitter. Steve Jobs made decisions with a group of people much more than people think. And here, however it was made, by whomever it was made, it was a bad decision. And it was a decision made against Who made expert it? advice. Who made that decision? I mean, ultimately, you, when you call yourself chief twit, you're accountable for the decisions, whether yeah. they're good or bad. And you said it's... And Beginning in 2017, every platform, Twitter included, started to invest really heavily in building out an election integrity function. This was what I spent my life doing from the middle of 2017 onwards. We were focused on not just US elections, but how do you protect against malign interference in foreign elections? How do you think about different threat actors in this space? And also critically, how do you think about what those threat actors might do? And so as we are threat modeling the 2020 election, it's obvious to think about the most influential thing that impacted the 2016 election, which was the hack and leak campaign organized by the Russian government. And so we would have been stupid not to think about that risk. Right, so what happened there? And so the morning of the Hunter Biden story in the New York Post happens, 
And it was weird, right? With distance and with, with what we know now, we, we forget some of the weirdness. But do you remember the, the laptop repair guy? Do you remember yeah. the uncertainty of the, of the whole story? We didn't yeah, that story was stupid. <clears throat> like, I don't think that, that it should have, they shouldn't have blocked it. I think that it should have been like, it should have been unleashed. And people should have just picked it apart because it was stupid. The Hunter Biden laptop story as originally published was stupid didn't know what to believe we didn't know what was true there was there was smoke and ultimately for me uh it didn't reach a place where i was comfortable removing this content from twitter but it set off every single one of my finely tuned apt 28 hack and leak campaign alarm right, so it looked possibly probably everything about it looked you like a hack not, and leak and you did not like want to do that leak, but it didn't get there for me Right. And this is, you know, the, the work of content moderation is write a policy, create a system of governance, and then evaluate some new crazy situation why, against those standards. Why and, the need to do it? Okay, Babylon B, which is what got him to buy the thing, I think. That's the... That's the, the one which, is, which was not particularly funny. The Babylon B's man of the year is Rachel Levine. <laughs> not funny. Yeah. Um, and, and you can ask... I didn't agree they should have taken that down, but go ahead. You know, it's interesting, uh, it's interesting to think about what the competing tensions around that are. And I, I want to start by acknowledging that um, the targeting and the victimization of the trans community on Twitter is very real, very life-threatening, and extraordinarily serious. Um, we have seen from a number of Twitter accounts, including libs of TikTok notably, that there are orchestrated campaigns that particularly are singling out a group that is already particularly vulnerable within society. And so, yeah, not only is it not funny, but it is dangerous and it does contribute to an environment that makes people unsafe in the world. Mm -hmm. So let's start from a premise that it's fucked up. Mm -hmm. But then again, let, let's look at what Twitter's written policies are. Twitter's written policies prohibit misgendering, full stop. And the Babylon Bee, in the name of satire, misgendered Admiral Rachel Levine. Twitter satire. nominally, but it's still misgendering. Okay. And you know, you can there can be a very long and, and academic discussion of, of satire and sort of the lines there. Interestingly, uh, Apple tried to tease out this question of satire and political commentary in their own guidelines, which I think are, are also fraught. But you know, we landed on the side of enforcing our rules okay. as written. And that's how it got bought by Elon Musk, just in case you're interested. Um, he was mad about that. I remember that. Um, so <clears throat> I don't envy that guy his job, but like what, I what I've said before is that this was a, this, these problems on social media are a creation of, they're basically created by the people who run these companies <clears throat> being, afraid to piss some, being afraid to piss off the right wingers. If like, for example, Facebook, I know they don't do this, but had Facebook just been like, no, if you say racist things on our website, we're going to kick you off. Like from the beginning, they'd be the best social media website because most people don't say racist things. They just don't. They don't say like overtly and intentionally racist things. Most people are not like that, but they were all afraid of that. And so kind of knowing that actors on the far right people who wanted to push racism for you know a variety of reasons some for profit some for ideological reasons they decided that instead of like playing the game it's time to play the ref and so anytime anything got taken down they're like you're censoring me you're censoring me you're censoring me and so <clears throat> spineless dweebs that these people who run these social media sites are and not for nothing they people that run these social media sites they're they're all like white dudes they've never been the targets of sexism racism homophobia transphobia right they're like they're like jack and um mark zuckerberg so they've never been like they might have been called nerds or some shit because they were into computers but they've never been the target of any of this stuff so they're just like well i don't know we're just gonna walk the middle we're just gonna walk the middle and as as they wanted so badly to walk the middle because they wanted to seem fair or whatever to a bunch of people who don't like them anyway, because they're liberals, they're Democrats, they're Bay area people. They fucking, it just kept getting more and more extreme because <clears throat> you know, that there's a saying that's like, meet me in the middle says the honest person as they take a step back. 
And so now the middle has moved and that's what was happening this whole time while the, while the racist elements in our society and on social media were playing the ref. And, um, <clears throat> none of these people had a spine. And I think if any of them had, had it been Twitter, had Jack just been like, no, I'm kicking you off. If you're a racist, I don't care what you think. Then Twitter would have been the better social network, but none of them did it. They were all terrified to do it. I think Google plus did it, but like, Google Plus was too late to the, too late to the party and didn't have the features it needed. And the joke was always that Google Plus was so that uh, people who work on Google Plus can talk to each other at Google. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not pleased with how this is going down. Um, I'm just glad glad people like Kara Swisher are out there. Um, honestly, she is. I don't always agree with her, and I certainly don't always agree with her pivot coach Scott Galloway. But at least she's not afraid to like call some all, all this stuff what it is and you know, tell these people that their shit does in fact stink. So if you're not following Kara Swisher, go ahead and follow Kara. She's, you're not going to agree with everything she says, but she is, she's like the, the conscience of Silicon Valley. If such a thing even existed. So here's Jacinda, Jacinda Ahern or just, I'm sorry, Jacinda Arden responding to a fairly sexist question asked by a reporter. And I feel like she answered it pretty well. Yeah. A lot of people will be wondering, are you two meeting just because, you know, you're similar in age and, you know, got a lot of, you know, common stuff there, you know, when you got into politics and stuff. Or can Kiwis actually expect to see more deals so between cool. our two countries down the line? Because my there first, is, I mean, My first question is, I wonder whether or not anyone ever asked Barack Obama and John Key if they met because they were of similar age. Uh, we, of course, uh, have... Uh, a higher proportion of men in politics. It, it's reality because two women meet. It's not simply because of the agenda. Uh, Finland uh, exports into a New Zealand $199 million worth of exports. They have particular technology in companies like Nokia, Bio. I love this. She's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Here, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Nokia is huge. People don't understand Nokia. Like, they don't make phones anymore, but they make all kinds of equipment like equipment that makes your phone work and so yeah you might want to meet with the head of state where that company exists uh, even basic uh, industrial wares that we use in our buildings you won't be aware that a large number of our elevators come out of finland agricultural machinery new zealand on the other hand is trading about 14 million dollars worth and it's mostly in wine and beef there is huge potential between us. The EU FTA is a launch pad for that. But we need to make sure that as nations, we don't just simply go through the motions of an FTA ratification, but that as individual nations, we look for the opportunities to build on that economic agreement. So for me, this is timely. Next year, we're looking to progress that FTA. Our meeting today is a chance alongside the Prime Minister's high-level trade delegation of significant industry leaders, we really leverage the economic opportunities between our two countries. Little would be known about the depth of that relationship or the potential of it, but it's our job to further it, regardless of our gender. Mm. Yeah, we are meeting because we are prime ministers, <laughs> of course. Uh, but as, as Yasinda said, uh, we have a business delegation with us. Uh, we have a lot of things uh, in common, but also a lot of things where we can do uh, much more uh, together. Uh, one of those uh, things are technologies. Mm. I really worry about... And the question was like, are you meeting because you're pretty ladies? Are you meeting because you're pretty ladies? ...tendencies that we Disgusting. have right now on authoritarian countries when it comes to new technologies, uh, the digital infrastructure, in our societies and also the natural resources that we are dependent on. We have to make sure that we are not building the same traps when it comes to new technologies and digital solutions that we have right now in Europe when it comes to energy from Russia. So we have to make sure that we have the value chains, that we have the cooperation between democratic countries, especially when it comes to knowledge, know-how, new technologies. And I think this is one of the main issues that we will continue discussing later today at dinner oops oops <laughs> oopsie oh not only did not only was she like well that's a little sexist but then she went on to explain to this guy who didn't know shit about why they were meeting i, I would imagine why they were meeting i was pretty fucking fantastic i'm uh more and more impressed with uh arden every time i see clips of her or hear about her just always graceful but never never capitulating to bullshit just fucking 
a states person, we would say. And um, so now we're going to move on to uh, somebody who I am not impressed with, and I'm becoming less and less impressed with every time I hear him speak. It's Greg Kelly from Newsmax, formerly of Fox News, I believe, going to talk about the uh, Marriage Equality Act and how it's like revenge or some shit. What do you think the is there an underlying motivation that we haven't talked about? I mean, look, I know that uh, gay people were persecuted for a long time and uh, sure. they did not have. Is this like payback? You know, I've seen it before in history. Where what? Those were who were oppressed suddenly became the oppressors. And is there is, name 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 instances? Is there an element of that going on? And what's the end game here? What is society going to look like in 20, 30 years? I, I don't think it is. No, I, I don't think that gay people want to harm anybody. I mean, obviously, there's always radical people who want to hurt people. But I'm, I, I think if you look at most people... I mean, a lot of gay people might want to harm Rick Santorum. <laughs> but that's different. Well, in the gay community, they're, they're not... They're not doing this because they want to harm anybody. They truly believe this is just a civil right. And look, I respect their opinion. The problem, the problem is it's being used by those who are in power to further destabilize the family. Ah, you had to do it. You almost like you almost I was like, whoa, did Rick Santorum moderate his position on this? Did he maybe find some gay friends, have a good time at a at a gay wedding or some shit and moderate his position. He's like, well, they're just attacking the family. He's like, I don't want to say anything mean about gay people specifically, but people in power are using the gay people. I like, I like being uh, referred to as a prop, by the way. That's I love that. I always love it. I just love it when I'm a prop and some other shit. No, the fucking, this thing passed, this respect for marriage act passed and a, a non insignificant number of Republicans, all things considered went and voted for it. So, it's just not a winning issue for the Republicans to go after gay marriage ever again. They're never going to be able to use it as a wedge issue. And if they try to use it as a wedge issue, it'll be used against them as a wedge issue. <clears throat> Everybody always talks about these votes in the suburbs, right? Everybody always is like, oh, the people in the suburbs, blah, 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 the suburban white vote. Well, the suburban white people don't hate gay people. They just don't. And so there's just nothing, <clears throat> it, there's nothing in it for them. And the, the, these people are going to get left behind by the goddamn Republican Party. People like Tiny Dancer Ben is going to get left behind by the goddamn Republican Party on gay rights. Here's a clip of Tiny Dancer Ben. Republican cowardice is one reason why the left keeps winning at the social battles, despite the fact that the population is not all in on everything that the social left wishes. Now, the polls show that there is widespread public support for same-sex marriage. What yes. there is not widespread support for is the idea that you as a religious person ought to be forced in your life to accept same-sex marriage in the way that you do business. But the way you do business, yes, actually. That's in fact, the fucking, if your business is open to the public, the 14th Amendment covers that, Ben. In the way that you send your kids to school. And the idea that, that society has a duty to force individuals to acknowledge things they don't believe to be moral, that is not something the vast majority of Americans are willing to go along with. And that is the biggest problem with the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. It essentially said, but none of that shit's in the act, Ben. You're just pissed. You're just pissed that you got left behind in the culture war by like some cr some crusty old Republican from Oklahoma. Like, let's just let's be real here. I don't know if the Republicans from Oklahoma voted for it, but I'm just like thinking like like did he, he got left behind in the culture war by Mitt fucking Romney, dude? Think about think about how angry he must be. That only bigots and fools, based on their silly religion would object to the idea that a man, woman, and child is the basic fundamental building block of society. And then further, it says, well, here are a few religious exemptions that we'll put out there. We'll sort of suggest that in your own church, we're not going to take away your tax-exempt status. But it doesn't actually enshrine those protections strongly at all for religious people outside of their church. Right, because <clears throat> once you're outside of your church, the church has, we've for whatever reason, people may agree, people may disagree. <clears throat> I disagree with a lot of it, and I agree with some of it the church has basically extra rights as a religious institution. It's just um, freedom of and from religion or whatever. Sure. So <clears throat> once you leave your church, if you are a doctor, well, yeah, you can't just turn away gay people because you don't like them because you think they're icky. Yeah. But your church can say, ah, you can't have your marriage here. Yeah. Um, actually that's fine. Like, why would you want to have your marriage at a church that hates you anyway? So let's say that you're a religious person and let's say that you run a cake shop in Colorado and let's say you get sued every two seconds. There are no protections every two seconds. You could just make the fucking cake and take the money because that's what a fucking business does. 
Why wouldn't you make the cake and take the money? In this bill, precisely. What did Republicans get in this bill, precisely? The answer is they got pretty much nothing. They went along with it anyway, because there are a lot of weak-kneed Republicans. Who are- or they agreed with the content of the bill, and Tiny Dancer Ben, some crusty old fucking Republican from Arkansas, has left you behind. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's all that's going on, Ben. You're getting left behind by people twice your age who have finally figured this shit out. Are unwilling to have a headline that says that they oppose same-sex marriage. Well, if that's the case, if you don't have an affirmative case for why you are either in favor of same-sex marriage or why you believe that the protections of religious people here are sufficient, then I'm not sure why you're voting for the thing or why you should be in the Senate, as I've said before. Why you should be in the Senate? Because you, they won their election. They vote the way that you want on almost everything, Ben. You just lost the culture war. That's it. Sorry, Ben. You lost the gay culture war. You lost it to Dave Rubin, of all people. Imagine losing the culture war to Dave Rubin. Okay, up next, we got a woman who was uh, had to go to cult deprogramming because she learned about uh, the patriarchy at a university. This is, of course, on the Tucker Carlson show. I mean, as time went on and I studied history, I became completely brainwashed into believing that I was oppressed by our toxic patriarchal society. And I left school. I was sad, anxious, intellectually starving. And by 2015, when I graduated, I completely estranged myself from my family. Yeah, well, that's Um, that is underneath it all. We joke about the lunacy on college campuses. But the real cost is not that they'll vote Democrat. The real cost is that they won't love their parents anymore. And that's that's the most upsetting Mm -hmm. part of it, I think. So how did you get better? So in this panic of me not communicating with my mother, she consulted a cult specialist. Uh, This person gave her devastating statistics that most people don't make it out, but a glimmer of hope that it tends to be young women who do. So she spoke to him and he made it very clear to her, do not affirm your daughter's newfound identity. You know her best. She is your child. Don't affirm her. Yes. So she was taught. So either this cult specialist was a bad person or when mom or when mom talked to the cult specialist, the mom left out important details or the person on Tucker Carlson is just telling you a tale. How to communicate with me now to actually be deprogrammed. I had to humble myself. A couple things. I reconnected with my family. I moved home. I asked for forgiveness. I admitted I was wrong. Secondly, I made a lifestyle change. I stopped drinking. I started to believe in God again. And lastly, I had to unlearn my four years of wokeism by watching five-minute PragerU videos on online for free. <laughs> it's, like, it's like even Tucker thinks that's funny. That's like a fucking like a clockwork orange. <laughs> the clockwork oranged her. Amazing. It is a cult. Its aim is to separate you from the people who love you most. And I just, I, I'm, I'm so impressed and have such respect for your mother for taking it as seriously as it deserves to be taken and for you for getting out of it. Annabelle Rockwell of PragerU, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> oh, now she's of PragerU? Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, she, she was, she, wait, of PragerU? Excuse me? Yeah, I don't believe a word of that shit. Fuck that. That's a, another why I left the left bullshit story. <sighs> so. There's a, there's a dating site for conservatives. It's called The Right Stuff. And uh, it's like all dudes. It's like all dudes. There's no women on there. And like, who would have thought that uh, Peter Thiel would put up a dating site and it was all dudes? The, the thing is, he, Peter Thiel should have invested in Grindr early on because that's all dudes. But it's, you know, it's working as designed. But uh, here, here's, here's a fucking, just a clip from whatever prime news is about the conservative dating site, the right stuff. Yes. I was, um, I just wanted to let John know that I got my sweatshirt from his dating website that says dump your liberal boyfriend. And I'm going to be <laughs> oh, wearing it and for, for all the single girls out there. I'm going to be wearing that and encouraging them to get on your website and find themselves a nice conservative. man. Oh, there'll be like nine women on the right stuff. If she gets all her friends on there. Because conservative men are more successful, classier. They pick up a bill. They open a door. <laughs> so girls, dump your liberal boyfriend now. And John will definitely be having you back on very soon to talk about the right stuff. Very curious about how that's doing. It's not doing well. There's no women on there. That's all. All the men are complaining that there's no women and that the women on there are bots. 
And I hope there's like some op out there where people have create like within the terms of service and of course within the law have created bots that are on there just just messing with these guys. I just hope that's going down because that that would be some funny shit. Well, another one for the ladies. This one is a sexiness understander. If there's a man who understands what sexiness is, it's Dennis Prager. And he's going to talk about who is and is not sexy. We have this uh, wonderful young woman on Tucker Carlson last night. She went to Mount Holyoke. 50000 a year. All, all girls school. I learned something that I did not know. I wonder if you knew. I'm looking at my producer. That they had the girls get a special haircut. Are you aware of that? She mentioned that, and it's the second time I've heard that. Because long hair is sort of uh, too feminine. And you don't, you don't want that. I, I want to discuss that with her. I think that's a very, very big deal. The idea that a girl should want to look attractive, God forbid, even somewhat sexy. Uh, the left finds this. I'm grossed out by him talking about this. Vile. The yes, only yes, the left is everyone. The left is when no pretty women. People, the only women they want to dress sexily are trans women. Oh, the left is when you're only allowed to dress sexy if you're a... Uh, not cis and ideally in front of kids <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> if you don't understand how sick the world of the left is that's a tragedy for the country what the fuck yo listen I just let's just take solace in the in the in the fact that everyone knows that dennis prager does not he's not bringing sexy back he never had sexy and isn't really a sexiness understander so I think even his own audience probably has a bit of a hard time listening to him talk about what is and is not sexy. But yeah, that fucking transphobia shit there was weird. It's like, oh, you're only supposed to dress sexy if you're trans. But then he like conflated drag queens with trans women, which is a common mistake among people who don't know shit. <sighs> Man. I'm just really glad that someone like Dennis Prager is usually wrong, but like comically wrong and is an idiot because if somebody like him was a little smarter and a little more savvy, he'd be a lot more dangerous. So we're going to go down to Florida. Apparently, uh, don't say Hanukkah in Florida. It tells us that she was not allowed to talk about Hanukkah in her own kid's classroom. So what exactly is going on inside Florida schools and what is really off limits these days? Tonight, our Eric Waxler taking a look at the classroom confusion. Rachel Long has been going to her kids' schools for years to give a Hanukkah presentation to students. It involves reading books about the holiday, games, and food. I've never had one complaint, and um, the kids always love the potato pancakes because it tastes like hash browns. But this year, a teacher at Longleaf Elementary in Pasco County told her a Hanukkah presentation isn't part of fifth grade standards. And under the new Parental Bill of Rights and Education Law, they are obligated to follow those standards. I've been doing it all these years, and it's never been an issue. I reached out to the governor's office. They say the Parental Bill of Rights only prohibits classroom instruction related to sexual orientation or gender identity, and that's in grades K through three. There are no restrictions, they say, related to religious holidays. But because the law is new, educators around the state may be apprehensive about what exactly it covers. I want my kids to be exposed as, to as many things as they can. And I think the Parents' Bill of Rights is backfiring, that the schools are afraid to expose the kids to anything new and different because they're going to get backlash from parents. Administrators at Longleaf have since clarified the issue and told Long she can come in as part of an overall Holidays Around the World presentation. But she first has to meet with the principal to go over the lesson, something she's never had to do before. The Pasco School District says they've been allowing holiday activities for years, and that will continue. One difference may be a note home to parents on what's planned. There are things that are pointed out in the parents. So it seems like either the school had a misunderstanding or she spoke to somebody at the school who did not want her giving a Hanukkah presentation. And I don't know which it is. I think either are likely. 
Um, but you know, the, that bill that they called it, the don't say gay bill, the bill that they described in the, um, in the news segment, <clears throat> some of it's broad, vague. And I think people are probably a little bit of a little bit afraid to bring in anything that's sort of outside of like, like white mainline American Christianity because of the bill. Who knows? Oh no, here's Charlie Kirk talking about child abuse and the QAnon phenomena. There's, if you read the, the mockeries of, of what they call, the media calls QAnon and all that, they say a lot of people in the Q community, whatever that means, right, are yeah. always... Like, so I would say don't play dumb, but I think Charlie might be dumb and not know. Also, not for nothing, a uh, lightning bolt on that guy's hat just called me a racist slur. Oh, concerned and worried that there's a pedophilic underpinning of our society. How stupid are they? And then you have these advertisements. Of, it's right there. I mean, it's and you and then you have Epstein, right? And you well, have. And go ahead. You're absolutely right. To your point, it's like look at what you know. But Epstein, the Q people didn't solve, didn't didn't nail Epstein, right? They didn't do, they didn't get Epstein through their research. The Miami Herald is the one who fucking figured out what was going on with Epstein. DOJ is more concerned about Elon Musk uh, liberating Twitter yeah, than they are exactly about Jeffrey right. Epstein. That's a good. Well, I mean, you should tweet that they're more. They're more. Jeffrey yeah. Epstein is dead. Concerned about what's happening, what's being cleaned up on Twitter than Balenciaga. And and by the way, guess what? The one thing that uh, Elon Musk went after on day one was the exploitation of children on Twitter. There Except that he fired the whole department that looks into that stuff. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up. He said that he was going to clean that up. That doesn't mean that he did. He fired the department that like looked into that stuff. When Twitter and when uh, Elon Musk took over Twitter, there were still hashtags that linked directly to child pedophilic sites yes. uh, on the Internet. So the exploitation of young kids was still allowed on Twitter until it wasn't allowed. Some things get through the moderation. Maybe they use bit.ly to link to it. Maybe they link to a, another site that links to whatever it is. But Elon didn't go in there and put any resources to cleaning that shit up on Twitter. He fired the department that fuck does that. And Elon Musk took over. Remember, and now the DOJ is going after him. Remember Think about that cuties with Netflix. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so, I mean, the media, they go after the moral panic around that cuties movie was fucking crazy. They overgeneralize. Oh, it's this, it's this cult of Q people that I'm like, hold on, wait, hold on a second. All, all that stuff aside. Cause I don't even know what that means. Cause it's an unspecified smear campaign, right? Wait, what? No, it's, aren't you, aren't you like a news reporter of some kind? Aren't you like a news commentator? It's your job to know what the fuck QAnon is. Are you trying to, are you trying to tell me that there isn't? Like this strange drumbeat pattern of pedophilia in our in our culture? No, there isn't. Most people are not child abusers. <sighs> Some of the, like the beauty pageant shit and a lot of the modeling shit, fucking problematic because they the, the kids' beauty pageants especially big problem. But this is the kind of guy that would probably enter his daughter in a beauty pageant. He doesn't see the problem there. He sees the problem in the fashion industry where a lot of the people who are participating are adults. They're just made up to look as young as possible. Anyway, here's our palate cleanser. Here's a, it's, it's, you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. I think from the makers of died suddenly the shockumentary with totally original footage of vaccine clots comes died suddenly too. twice the conspiracies. So they're just trying to depopulate the flat earth, just pushing vaccinated people right off the Antarctic ice wall. The clots are even clottier. And these are the blood clots we are seeing in vaccinated people. The deaths even more permanent. I'm not dead. Well, nothing ears you know I'm And sudden. No. Toxic spike proteins. Documenting a spike in deaths in people over 50 that may be due to the vaccine. When 900 years old, you reach. We know the spike protein is more than potentially dangerous. It's flat out lethal. Featuring a pathologist who is overly concerned with other physicians' inexperienced anuses. He spends all his time microscoping, but to see his results, you have to fly to Idaho. 
We're predicting apocalyptic catastrophe. Toxic spike protein. This could be us one day. Except our Earth is flat. We promise all the footage is equally as authentic as the original. That's toxic spike protein. Witness the conspiracies. Gates, Soros, Schwab, Fauci, Beyonce, Santa Claus. What about them? Died suddenly too. More deadly, more sudden. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Shout out to Ali Drew in the Discord for making sure we saw that. So uh, up next, we got a uh, Mike Pillow. Mike Pillow appears to be running for the chair of the RNC. I'm sure that'll go really well for him. Apparently, he's been uh, endorsed by a former president. Uh, who knows if that's true? I certainly don't know. Here's a short clip of him on the Steve Bannon show talking about how he's going to be the next DNC chair. I am 100% running for the RNC chairman against RNC, McDaniel. A hundred percent. I'm all in Steve. And, uh, one of the things that uh, one of the big donors said to me, he said, Mike, he said, everybody wants you to be head of the RNC. Some of them just don't know it yet. <laughs> That'd be the best. I, you know what? He should be the head of the RNC and the DNC. Then I'd be like, maybe we should take a look at Andrew Yang's party. It's, it's the end of the GOP if this guy gets the head of the, if he gets it, becomes the head of the RNC, but he's not going to, he's just not going to, there's no, like no vote or whatever for it. So it's going to be like the sort of mucky mucks in the RNC who decide who it is. And they don't, they're not going to do um, Mike pillow up next. We got a uh, Don jr. Not deterred by the failure of the previous Trump stakes is uh selling meats. It's his job now, I guess. Guys, with a majority of online meat companies and grocery stores selling imported, low-quality, counterfeit meat this year, you can't give the gift of tasty meat confidently. Good Ranchers is the sure way... Is, is, this might be cringier than the Mark Zuckerberg, uh, that famous video of him in the backyard. He's like, we're just some guys out here smoking meats or whatever he said. This might be cringier than that. To give 100% American USDA prime and upper choice cuts of beef, chicken, and seafood. Plus, you can give the gift of a subscription and lock in someone price for them this year. I don't know about you, but an inflation-proof meat budget beats a new pair of socks to me and any sane person I know any day. If you know someone that likes meat, then you know someone who will love Good Ranchers. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com and find the perfect box in the curated selection of America's best meats and seafood. Support local U.S. farms and avoid counterfeit meat this Christmas. <laughs> counterfeit, what ranchers. the fuck even is counterfeit meat? meat? Delivered. And for a limited time, you can receive free shipping plus $40 off any order with my code Don Jr. for the holidays. Enjoy, guys. Check it out. Oh, I don't know what. Yeah. What's in the box? He probably got an empty box. I would use an empty box in a promo, too, because um, non-counterfeit meats can be heavy. So we don't talk enough or maybe at all really about this kind of Jackson Hinkle and Hawes sort of faction of the dumb, dumb left or whatever. But this right here is incredibly stupid. Their whole thing is that they're like anti-interventionalist, anti-imperialist, right? So like one of the things there, they're, that's their branding. They're like, what is it? MAGA communism or whatever, the, whatever the shit they're calling themselves this week. Well, here we go. Here's some uh, anti-interventionalist um content from uh, the dumbest segment of the dumb dumb left very similar makeup but i think if we want a true 1776 born again revolution in this country it can't stop at our borders we will have to go and invade and liberate canada uh yeah i mean i think if, if there was anti-interventionalists we're gonna have to invade canada my god anything that happened in the united states where patriots obviously lawfully retook power in the United States, you know, Canada would obviously be, you know, the first threat, immediate and, you know, present danger against a <laughs> renewed fuck? republic 
of by and for the people. <laughs> yes. So I, I entirely <laughs> agree with that. I agree oh, with the that. immediate but threat of Canada. Should the fucking, should the, whatever these people are calling themselves this week, should they take over the country, which they're not going to, there's only like 20 of them. <laughs> Half of them go on each other's shows all the time. Um, should they take over the country? Canada is going to be a big threat. So we're just going to have to preemptively invade Canada, actually, just to make sure that if the good people get in charge of America, that the fucking Canadians don't put a stop to it. Like what a crazy, like, how detached from reality do you have to be? <laughs> so on uh, Wednesday, Marcus was on the intellectual Dollar Tree. If you're listening to the pod and have never listened to the intellectual Dollar Tree, I don't think that's true that you are listening to this one and haven't listened to that one. But if on the off chance that that is true, um, you'll hear uh, Marcus homozygote uh, suggest that Brett and Heather are about to get worse. And uh, thanks to the bad stats, uh, here's some evidence that that is true this is from episode 152 of dark horse carrie mullis mm. um nobel prize winning inventor of pcr argued and he was not alone but he argued that hiv did not cause aids and i remember when i first read that thinking i know exactly what error he's making uh what error did you think he was making it was an over uh an overly narrow instantiation of what I think is called Koch's postulate. So I thought that was the error he was making. Well, no, he was just wrong. Like the, the error that he's making is he's just wrong. Um, it turns out that the argument against HIV causing AIDS is stronger than this. And what? in fact, the answer is no whoa oh i didn't watch this before i didn't listen to this before the show because they don't usually do slurs or whatever that have to beep out like a nikki fuentes clips my god not that nobody's denying that hiv is a virus that it is being transmitted but the question is is it essentially a fellow traveler not significantly harmful in and of itself traveling with something else that might be causing this pathology wait what there's just a there's like a is he suggesting there's like a shadow disease like a disease just kind of hiding like just trying to get in by hiding behind hiv like what is it the causal agent uh, in and of itself yeah and anyway and there's a if i if memory serves a long chapter elucidating some of this thinking and history in bobby kennedy's yeah, latest in, book in the real uh, anthony in, fauci yeah yep yeah. so anyway i'm not, not telling hard you hard reading but important i'm not telling you that i've reached a firm conclusion but oh no <laughs> he's like let's let's just do a hypothesis we can do hypotheses about I'm telling you, I initially dismissed Mullis because I thought mm -hmm. he was a chemist who was not appreciating the complexity of biology. Um, I now believe that the argument is a more difficult one to dismiss because the, you know, how do you know when you are looking at a pathogen that is transmitted along with something else that you haven't yet identified and when it's the causal agent? Not as easy as you would think. So. Well, it's not, if you have an identified, like, it's just like a fucking, like a fucking shadow disease or like something's high. It's the craziest fucking, it's one of the craziest things Brett's ever said. Uh, homo, shout out to homozygote for being exactly right that Brett and Heather were going to have to get worse, basically, because they're, otherwise their shtick isn't going to work. Oh, no. Here's uh, from the same episode, episode 152. Here's uh, his take on uh, Yay and uh, Twitter and, you know. All of the goings on around that. I'm sure Brett's going to be reasonable here. I'll just say I was making a broader point than that. This wasn't about is he too famous for anyone who loves him to help him. This was, a, a, I think, a, a more important and far broader point that as a society, we are embracing mental illness. And most of the people who are having their mental illness embraced have no fame at all. And in fact, many of them have narcissistic tendencies and are seeking fame. Yep. Uh, and the response is not, um, I'm sorry you're going through that. Let's see if we can treat that and return you to some, uh, some semblance of normalcy in the best sense of the term. But rather, oh, yes, you are in fact a, a lizard 
and uh, we're going to make sure that anyone who says that you're not is roundly disciplined. What? I thought that was maybe what Kanye was saying was that that there that you're a lizard to some people. I don't know how far is he off from like their lizard people. Oh no! One more. We'll do one more. No more after this, though. Uh, here's uh, Brett suggesting that the New York Times is uh, deploying bot armies on Twitter. The New York Times and others are promoting a story in the aftermath of Musk's over and uh, altering of the environment in which hate speech has uh, skyrocketed on Twitter in the aftermath. Is that there on that screenshot? Uh, I don't see it. Just a different one that showed that better. Okay. Um, so anyway, here's my point. A, this is a nonsense story as far as anybody can tell, right? I have no, it's not plenty in recent days, I have not seen any hate speech. It's not showing up. And one obvious, but like the people that you like are like proponents of hate speech and you just don't see it that way. Is that the, if in fact they are reporting anything real at all, that they are reporting something like the number of tweets, which would be an easily gamed metric. So were you to have an army of bots posting hate speech, either because they can, or because the idea is to make Twitter look like a hellscape at the moment, then the New York Times and other such establishments could report that hate speech has taken off in the aftermath of this change, when in fact, from the point of view of actual users, the opposite has likely happened. It is also true that all eyes are on Twitter because zero is a special number, and therefore the amount that is resting on them being able to kill off Musk's experiment is much greater than we would think from a business perspective or size of Twitter perspective. That was unhinged. The New York Times did not unleash an army of bots to post hate speech. That's these people are going they're they're get we're like three months or six months away from like chemtrails from these people. I used to think it was a year and a half, two years. I'm updating my estimate. We're like three to six months away from chemtrails for these, from these people. Anyway, here's a, here's a funny one. We kind of have two palate cleansers tonight because we sort of need them. This is a, uh, people keep putting like remixing a, uh, Jordan Peterson's talks. And this one is amazing. I have blown a guy wearing a gorilla suit that's in my apartment, and I played with his balls because you can't blow a gorilla without playing with the balls. You know, and, and I'm dead serious about that. There's no damn way you miss that gorilla off, right? Because it's also a gorilla. Like, it's a killer animal. You'll think, Jesus, why should I even be alive? It's like, well, hmm, maybe pay attention to the balls. Give it a whack. Whack. You have to piece the gorilla. <laughs> what are you doing in this classroom? Ah, <laughs> whack, whack. What are you doing in this classroom? That's so funny. It's so funny. <clears throat> and it's, that's like hard work. Trying to do that is very hard work. So shout out. Shout out to Very Tall Bart for doing that. <clears throat> we got one more one more clip before we head on into red light. This is we've been watching Laura Logan's descent. Laura Logan used to be like a political analyst at Fox News. I think she was she worked at the Trump campaign or she may have worked for even legitimate presidential campaigns or presidential administrations at one point. And uh then she did the blood libel and uh here she is on Mike Lindell's network after having been kicked off of Newsmax and One American News Network. This is her on Mike Lindell doing more of the blood libel. As uh, you know, the weight that I'm carrying because I'm, I'm risking everything and I don't have this anymore and I don't have that anymore. You know, the New York Times doesn't write glowing profiles about me anymore, right? I'm reduced to the CIA-sponsored propaganda of the Daily Beast that tries to cast me as alt-right or far-right or push me to the fringes of, you know, alt-right lunacy because they don't like, they don't want to hear the truth. I don't care anymore about any of that because I know that we have a window to make our lives and our choices count. And we will never get this opportunity again. Once it's gone, it's gone. The CBS News got off Twitter because they wanted to assess the security situation with Elon Musk. Are you kidding me? I spent so much of my life 
as uh, you know, proud to work at 60 Minutes as a correspondent and as the chief foreign correspondent at CBS News. And I worked with great people. What has happened to you? Did you lose your minds? I'm sorry, but we've got people. Somebody lost their mind, Laura, but it wasn't every motherfucker at CNN or at that fucking CBS News. That seems like an unlikely scenario. It's more likely that you have lost your damn mind. People like Balenciaga and all these fashion brands that are, are pushing uh, pedophilia and Satanism, and I'm the crazy one? No, 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 no. You're not going to rewrite history. You're not going to convince me of something that's not true. You're creating 400 different types of gender, and I'm the crazy one? I don't think so, okay? That's not how this works. I'm not crazy because I'm not going to believe some crap that you made up, all right? And it is crap that you made up to manipulate and control. Like, not for nothing, like, if, let's say that she's crazy. In fact, we will say that she's crazy. Even if she was pointing out that other people have lost their fucking mind too, that doesn't mean that she hasn't lost her damn mind. It's not a, It's not like one or the other of you has to have lost your damn mind. Everybody could lose their damn mind. I think everybody probably has lost their damn mind. You've seen the world around us the last couple of years. If you haven't lost at least a little part of your mind over the last couple of years, there's probably something wrong with you. Anyway, thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Live viewers and listeners, stay put. We're not going anywhere. I'm just going to adjust the color of the lighting in here, adjust the contents of my beverage, and maybe adjust my point of view a little bit. And we got some great stuff for Red Light. Um, podcast listeners, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash echoplex. <clears throat> the day after all of our podcasts, the audio and video go up, and you can uh, watch it at your leisure a day early, and you get the whole show from beginning to end. Also, you can support us at our swag shop. That's eplex.store. And don't forget to join our Mastodon instance at port87.social. Oh, and uh, Tuesday, the day this podcast comes out, make sure you don't miss local love. We have Sweet Haya in the studio. We even went and uh, bought some equipment to make sure that their performance would be fantastic. And with that, instead of boomers, I think we're going to play backwards by a Sweet Haya. And uh, I'll be back for red light.
get enough Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live? Then join our Discord server at discord.me slash Echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the Now Space on Discord at discord.me slash Echoplex.